0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Stone, a senior research analyst at I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, the leading authority on next practices in human capital. The Next Practices Weekly podcast is one of the ways we share those practices with you by interviewing top HR leaders and facilitating discussion with the broader HR community on what high-performance organizations are doing differently with their people practices, from HR strategy to talent acquisition, learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and much more. Recently, my I4CP colleagues Lori Likens and Mimi Turner had a great conversation with Joshua Stewart, SVP, Head of Talent Acquisition and Outreach at PNC Bank. He shared details of their Partner Up program, which partners with high schools to help attract, retain, and develop early career employees for a broad range of employers. The program started in Pittsburgh, where PNC Bank is headquartered, but has since expanded to Cleveland, Ohio, and is now expanding to Birmingham, Alabama. But before we get to that, Did you know that I4CP has recently announced the initial slate of speakers for our Next Practices Now conference, which will be held March 25th to the 28th in 2024 in Scottsdale, Arizona. Intended for HR leaders with no vendors involved, this conference will feature HR authors such as Dave Ulrich, Charlene Lee, and Rob Cross, as well as senior HR leaders from Microsoft, AWS, IBM, Citi, Micron, Google, and more additional speakers and more information about the conference will be available soon. To learn more or to register, just visit our website at i4cp.com forward slash conference. Okay. Now for that discussion with Joshua Stewart, SVP and head of talent acquisition and outreach at PNC bank.
1: Josh, welcome. Good morning. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Good
2: morning. I'm feeling the fall vibes in Pittsburgh, Gloria. Yes. I don't know about you, it feels good. I get to look at the kind of changing hillside. I heard on the news this morning that the fall colors are coming, so it's a good day in Pittsburgh.
1: It is. It is. And so we invited Josh today to talk to us about um, a really, really important program that PNC is really well known for in this part of the country. Um, and I think one of the most important messages of Partner Up, and Josh is going to go over that with us, is that not everybody's going to go to college or needs to go to college or maybe doesn't want to go to college and that's okay. And there's a lot of um, other choices and options. And this is one of the, uh, I think, just most important messages of partner up. So um Josh, tell us a little bit about PNC. I know the roots in Pittsburgh go back to the 1850s. So your company's like, what, 170, 180 years old? That's quite yeah, a lot. Like... You,
2: you've <laughs> got it. Yeah, you got the research down. I love it. Um, yeah. And you're right. Uh, PNC has been around a long time and certainly in the last A decade, two or two, has uh, changed pretty uh, dramatically um, in what we look like and where we are. Um, Now we are one of the largest financial services organizations uh, in the country. Uh, We are growing uh, uh, into our Southwest. We recently, uh, within the last few years here, acquired an organization called BBVA or their U.S. Uh, affiliate of BBVA, which is a Spanish-owned bank. And that brought us into new spaces and new markets. And so if you're sitting in California today and saying, I don't know that PNC sounds so familiar, uh, uh, we're uh, newish to your market in terms of our retail presence, but our corporate bank has uh, been kind of coast to coast for many years. And uh, we are absolutely uh, growing and learning uh, about uh, our new markets. Uh, we are headquartered here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, we've got a, a lot of our team here. A lot of our human resources team is here. But as we grow, so is the uh, representations and geographies of even where our HR uh, colleagues sit. Uh, set. I lead uh, town acquisition and outreach uh, for the firm. I've been here for uh, just over uh, 20 years. And uh, I'll share with you this piece because it's actually important to partner up. I started here as a... Uh, uh, a call center agent, actually uh, doing outbound sales, um, you know, making those telephone calls to folks and talking about refinancing home equity loans. Uh, and uh, 20 years later, kind of uh, leading in an HR, and we'll link all those pieces of this story together as we think about Partner Up and what's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it and what this organization, how this organization is thinking about uh, early career talent.
1: So you're, you are the epitome of um, a success story in terms of internal movement in an organization. That's really cool, Josh.
2: It's uh, been a journey. I didn't set out to um, be a banker, honestly. <laughs> I was uh, at the University of Pittsburgh uh, with the goal of being a pediatrician and um as you see, I'm not. Uh, there's no babies in the office. There's uh, yeah. uh, none of that pediatrics going on in here. But uh, it took me a while to realize that what I was after was really at the core about caring for people, um, and I can live that out every day um, here in this organization, uh, and, and certainly through the way we think about talent and talent development.
1: I think that's the one thing that every one of us on this call today probably has in common. You know, we all took very different paths, but, uh, you know, at the core of it, it's all about the the mission of helping others. Um, So before we get into the details of partner up, we wanted to just do a quick poll and get a feel for where everybody is on the call. And that is, does your company engage in outreach with high school students? So is your talent pool, is your talent pipeline extending out into the high schools in your community? Um, my, my guess, my hypothesis is that probably not all that common, but I don't know, Josh, you can probably tell us that.
2: Yeah, we see uh, a little bit. Um, uh, certainly there's lots of organizations that are focused in volunteerism, connecting into their communities, and sometimes that looks like work in high schools. I think what you'll hear from us is uh, as a differentiator is then that uh, next step in accountability and intentionality about making those links to say it's not just about going to the schools and being a mentor, which is important, but then also delivering on the promise um, or the outcomes of hiring.
1: Okay, pretty interesting. So some of you definitely are doing outreach into high schools. That's great to see.
2: That is oh. great. Um, we were, uh, I know that uh, in a recent uh, kind of peer group meeting, there was some discussion about even brand work that starts in high schools. Uh, getting into schools. And, you know, in the case of this round table, talking about banking, it may not be top of mind for all high school students to I'm going to work at a bank uh, or understand really all the things that can happen there. And so there's work to be done in terms of unpacking that for students and creating connections between the studies that they do and uh, their future careers and aspirations.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about partner up. We want to hear all about it. Um, And I think the most important thing that I'm hoping everyone on this call gets from this time with you, Josh, is really some ideas and inspiration and energy if they're not doing something like this in their own organizations, in their communities, just get some ideas on how to get rolling with this. So tell us your partner up story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, uh, we can go to the next slide and you can, I won't read it to you, but you can kind of see uh, the mission statement there. Uh, what what this is really all about. And I'll take you on a little bit of a journey of how this all got started. Um, Here in the Pittsburgh region, there's an organization called the Allegheny Conference on Community Development. Uh, They have a number of um, uh, focus areas and one uh, for a long time has been talent. And in about, I think it was 2017, that could be off by a year there, um, they commissioned a study uh, in partnership with uh, Burning Glass to really understand the region what was happening here relative to talent and skills gaps and active job opportunities and careers etc and uh it produced a report called the inflection point Uh, and that was later um, updated uh kind of in a 2.0 a few years later but one of the core findings in the initial report was to share that this organization or this organization this or this region Uh, will be short on talent that we need just to sustain kind of the jobs that are already here. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a leaner understanding of what's coming, uh, but using real-time data to say, um, projecting forward, will there be enough um, talent here? And the answer was no. And then the number that that they had uh, ascribed was an 80,000-person shortage. At the time, um, our CEO was uh, chairman of that organization. um, And... Uh, was very much part of those conversations. Uh, came back to us to start um, questioning and, and asking uh, some thoughtful and probing questions about what we were doing in early career talent. And I think um, PNC has a long story about what we've done in early career talent relative to college hires. So we have a, and have for, had a long t- for a very long time, a very robust internship program, a very robust uh, development program. Uh, We hire now about 550 summer interns uh, all over the country, about the same number of full-time rotational development associates that are in rotational kind of year-long or multi-year development experiences, again, all focus on recent college grads, uh, but had not necessarily been intentional in thinking about high school, and his questions were, you know, pointed towards, well, There's lots of opportunities here that are early career that may not require that college degree and, in fact, we had done that work several years prior to inspect. Job descriptions and create language that was inclusive of um, experience and or degree, and so some of the framework was there, but we weren't you know um, thinking about it as a talent segment so that really was the ask. Um, And on the next slide you'll kind of see where we went. um, In terms of a little bit of a timeline. So we started by bringing together superintendents uh, in the region, a couple superintendents, a couple employer partners, uh, a few nonprofits, uh, and others to say, well, we, we share this. Uh, talent is a, a regional asset um, to be not consumed by one employer, uh, but to be shared uh, and to be developed and, and grown as an organization or as a region. And so with kind of that framework, what can we do? Together. And so we used the resources of our design thinking team, um, and they kind of lots and lots of post-it notes later, lots of the journey uh, mapping later, and persona creation and all kinds of fun things. Uh, what we ultimately wind up with, Partner Up. Now, at the time, it didn't have a name. It was actually uh, harder to f- pick out the name than it was to create the program. <laughs> it took us a long time uh, to identify that right name for a while. It was called the High School Collaborative, very functional name. Um, but what we said is, We think we can go into schools together and talk about opportunities together because whatever industry you are in this region, we have opportunities and students may not understand them or know how to access them. It's very difficult to navigate it sometimes as an adult, let alone uh, someone um, just graduating from high school. And so we came back as a PNC team and have created uh, a curriculum, which we'll talk about in a second, where we actually go into schools Uh, throughout the course of the year, teach a career development curriculum um, not specific to any one particular job, but in career readiness, soft skills, uh, understanding the job market, um, using tools like strength finders so that students can really identify their core strengths, and then ultimately as we get towards the end of the program and we'll talk through that is hire the students. That is the goal. This was not about going into the schools, sharing opportunities and leaving. I think we heard from the schools in that collaborative um, first session. That is often the case. There is lots of interest in high school talent, but not a lot of follow through relative to careers. And so we finished up this um, kind of design thinking exercise and then launched the program in Pittsburgh uh, here with uh, I think it was, and uh, Brianna McMeekin is the individual that uh, leads the program for us, and she she listens to this, she'll tell me that I probably got it wrong, but it was something like five schools, three employers, um, and now we're much uh, larger than that. Um, then, uh, after we you know, really expanded to a point, we were 30 plus schools in the Pittsburgh region. We felt like we had our feet underneath the bus, knew what we were doing here, and uh, started to think about expansion. And so in 2021, uh, we expanded into Cleveland, uh, the full program. Uh, there we are working primarily with Cleveland Metro School District, uh, which has 30 or so high schools. And so it was the equivalent kind of in the, the, the greater, or greater Pittsburgh region, like there's 30 school districts that kind of make out that similar size. And so we're in one school district with the same number of schools. And then, as we move into uh, 2023, 2024 school year, we're in that one now. Um, excited to share that we are uh, expanding into Birmingham, Alabama. These are all PNC footprint uh, markets um, where we know, as we you know own, if you will, the curriculum, facilitate the curriculum, send our employees into the classroom. But when we do, we're representing partner up. We don't go into the classroom as PNC being the dominant voice. We're talking on behalf of the other employers in the region and helping them to connect um, with talent. So that has uh, grown pretty significantly since our launch there in 2017. And I think if I'm not mistaken, um, this next slide uh, gives us some of those numbers so we can get a point of view on the growth. Yeah, so now if we look at all the markets, now this wouldn't include Birmingham uh, because we're just there now. Um, uh, So Cleveland and Pittsburgh combined, we're in 65 high schools. Here in Pittsburgh, there's a core group. Uh, We actually have uh, have a kind of a partnership in a neighboring county where another employer is leading the charge on partner up using our curriculum. Uh, And so we include that uh, in the count here as well. 18 uh, employers and multiple community partners. We were incredibly reliant on our community partners, especially at the beginning when we're in a new market, to understand. What is the landscape of school districts here why are these school districts different than other school districts what are the needs what are the funding what is the state requirements for career readiness for students and how can we as an organization uh, help the districts deliver kind of on some of those requirements that they may be looking at in pennsylvania this was the case new career standards that were delivered to the school districts as you know part of a, a requirement in student education but all, not always resources about how to deliver that. So we develop our curriculum against those standards. So we then show up as adding value, helping you to accomplish kind of what needs to be done uh, for and sometimes state requirements. Um, so that give gives you the whole landscape of you know, how we've impacted nonprofit partners have helped us to do that translation. We find that we have found very mightily that schools don't speak the same language as companies. Companies don't speak the same language as schools. And what we didn't want to do is show up and say, ah, we're here now and we're going to fix this for you because that's not the case. And so I remember those very first meetings, we would go in Brianna and I into a school district, generally the superintendent and maybe the high school principal and maybe a, maybe a curriculum point of contact. And we would say the first, the first question is, help us understand why this school is different. What are the strengths of this school? Why are your students prepared in a different way for careers than another school? And as we think about a partnership, what do you need? Um, it's we got the sense that in the past employers have come forward and said, You're not here's what you're not doing. And there's a lot of conversations about what you're not doing, what students aren't ready for and the gaps. And that doesn't feel good <laughs> for our educators who are working tirelessly. Uh, to meet their requirements, to educate the students, and prepare them for the next step. And so our goal was not to point, but to build bridges on how we close some of those gaps. So who are we talking about when we talk about these students? Um, uh, What we do in this school is i give you a little bit of a functional view of what this looks like. So you can think about um, how you might approach uh, something in your markets in a similar way. We're talking about students who have expressly identified that... They don't want to go to college as their next step and that could be for a number of reasons they're not interested in it academically they don't feel like it's the next best step for them they can't afford it or perhaps they can but they don't have the resources or even the cultural context around them to show them the next steps of how to then go and do that and so sometimes the school counselors or the teachers would say well they said that that's their plan but here we are in their senior year, and they've not even done a school visit or submitted an application or started the FAFSA. So there's signals to us that if that's happening, it might not happen right away. And so we partner with the schools. We have one kind of partner up liaison lead in the schools generally to help us identify the right students to uh, participate in the cohort. Generally, it's 30 students is our goal in every school district. Uh, And there is an application process. We learned that in the first year. Um, this is not a place where we're just you know we're not sure what to do with these students so let's put them in partner up no the students have to write an essay they have to apply and we let the school pick right so even that we don't sit in the seat and go oh that wasn't a very good essay I don't think so no uh, we get that responsibility to uh, to the school and then we ultimately can get great kids uh, in these uh, cohorts then what happens is we go um, and on our next slide you can kind of see visually what this looks like we go into the schools And we teach this curriculum that we have um, created. And this is this engagement bar. Starts in September, goes all the way through March. Uh, It's seven or so, two hour workshops. Students are put out of their daily curriculum and put in uh, to the partner app experience once a month. Um, And we'll have another slide here in a second where you can see what the outlines of these uh, workshops look like but it's led by PNC. We invite the other employers into the classroom at certain points. They don't always need to be there. We know that's a resource constraints, but we're talking about the employment opportunities that are available, make that very real to them. We're talking about benefits. So there's a bit of a, a kind of a recruiting piece of this, but then we jump right into t- tools like strength finders. Say, so let's do this assessment together. Let's give you a language where you can talk about your strengths. Imagine this cohort is not necessarily the group in school, that is way out front academically or way behind. Um, and so this is a group that maybe is not sure how to talk about their strengths, their experiences. Um, they don't get the same amount of attention, be it kind of positive or negative. And so they, they miss that language. And so we're saying things like, so uh, tell us about um, um, an experience you had. And we start to prep them for this kind of behavioral interviewing. And sometimes they say, I don't know, never had that. So we have to kind of draw it out and say, you know, do you babysit? Tell me about that. Or in your friend group, are you the one always fixing problems? Tell me about that. And then how might we turn that around and use language to say that's something that you're good at and what words would I use to describe that? And so we kind of go through this iteration of translation with them so that when they get to the end of the program, and which is kind of February, March, they are ready to go. In February, we're again showing them the opportunities in the region. We're again giving them the tools to apply and they apply. And we do interview prep, video interview prep, in-person interview prep, all kinds of things. And about the April timeframe, we bring all the employers together in one giant super day and we interview. In 24 hours, the commitment is you're turning around offers. So they've got offers in hand before they're walking across the graduation stage. And we ask the schools, at graduation, which is, you know, usually a month or so later, to say, when this person comes across the stage and we say, and this person is going to this university, and this person is going to the military, you need to say, and this person has accepted an offer at PNC, and this person has accepted an offer at Giant Eagle, because we have to say that is equally important to choose career, um, and most schools do that. We also then have a signing day, so much of sports signing days you're familiar with, and so uh, we give You know, for the case of PNC, orange caps and hoodies and all of the things, and you're signing your offer letter. We don't normally require that, but we bring friends and family. We get the PNC backdrop, and it creates kind of an event for the school to celebrate this intentional choice of moving into career. Oh,
1: that's great. Um,
2: And then this is the enable phase, um, where it looks different from every uh, employer to employer to employer. Um, At PNC students join our hr uh, community for the first 60 days um, helping them to transition into a very corporate imagine walking uh, high school hallways to very corporate hallways (laughs) very different Um, and so Uh, We then partner with an academic organization, and while they're here with us, they're spending part of their time there, earning their first three college credits, so they can see what college is like if that's interesting to them. We use our tuition uh, reimbursement program to cover that, and then 60 days later, they've got college credits, they've got how to transition program, lots of resources, and then they're launched into their their roles, and so that's the full architecture. Um, And then on the last slide here is the curriculum. I'll just leave that on the screen so you can take a look at what we're talking about and when. Um, But I'll pause. It's a lot of information. There's much, much more to unpack uh, and share about all the lessons we've learned. And I'm happy to go there, too. But Lori, I'll take a pause. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm blown away, but I think we've got some some really fabulous questions in the chat. Mimi, you want to take the mic? Yeah, sounds good, Josh. We have... Um, A question from Kelly Cantrell. Hi, Kelly, good to hear
2: see your name. Um, Do some students sometimes decide at at some point that they want to go to college? How do you support them if this is their decision? That's a
1: great question. Yeah,
2: absolutely, that's a great question. We have lots of these conversations. In fact, twice now we've had the valedictorian in the partner up cohort uh, at at particular schools because uh, they're trying to figure out whether they wanna do career or college. And sometimes they're having hard conversations at home, uh, trying to say, hey, I want to go to career. And that's a hard, sometimes bias to overcome, uh, not just at home, but generally. And so we see that going in both directions. Lots of students get to get into the program and realize college is the next step. And that's okay. We're not here to just serve the outcome of hiring. Certainly we want to hire. That's great. Uh, But if you see what's offered kind of an early career and you're interacting with lots of organizations through this program and that's the better path or the right path for you, awesome. But for us, that's a recruiting pipeline. Now they know who we are. I know that they're walking out with that resume. They're walking out with those interview skills. They're going to serve them in a college interview, going to serve them in a college application. And it becomes difficult (laughs) in, in a way to establish an ROI on this program that is as big as it is because we see students years later that come back and tell us all the things that they've done using the tools that we've given them that wasn't necessarily finding a job um, at PNC. We also find two students, um, if let's say there's uh, there's percentages around this in the inflection report, but the percentage of students who go to first year college decide that's not for them and then pull out, that's another group of students that that becomes very confusing. What do I do? I kind of had a little bit of a false start generally they go back to their schools. They're talking to guidance counselors as a resource and we find guidance counselors calling us and say, do you remember so-and-so? Or maybe you didn't meet so-and-so, but now that they have a connection with us, what kind of opportunities do you have? Uh, Because we think so highly of this individual. So it's creating a connection and a recruiting pipeline that maybe was a little unexpected.
1: Josh, the other question I have is I know that you have many, many partners in this. What other, I heard you say Giant Eagle, which is a big supermarket in this um, part of the country, but what other industries are partnering with you on this initiative?
2: Uh, Yeah, Uh, we have, uh, especially Robust in Cleveland, uh, we've got uh, three, maybe four, uh, healthcare partners. A lot of students are interested in healthcare. Um, We've got... um, in Cleveland as well, a lot of the trades are uh, represented. Uh, so we've got um, an electric organization um, and others. I've kind of lost track a little bit. Uh, we've got service industry covered. Um, uh, we've got um, financial service. You know, financial services ends up being an interesting sell. Um, when we do that first kind of initial intake. So tell us the things that you're interested in generally financial services is not at the top of the list because of perceptions of access perceptions of what that is that maybe i have right. to have a degree kind of thing um my context my world around me maybe has a little bit of a different point of view on financial services and banking so that uh it's a it's probably more of an uphill battle um for us in terms of brand um, and connection but when we get to the end generally uh, and uh we get a more than our fair share of applicants. And what's interesting to me in that we ask why, why is that the case? How did you get from like, never do I wanna work at a bank to you're my number one pick? It's the relationship,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's the trust. It's that we've seen you every month for two hours. You're working to understand me. I feel like you've got my back. Uh, you built me built a bridge here and I know who to call, which is for the same reason why we say to all the employers who are involved come as much as you can when you can't we're there and we will answer to the degree that we can about your organizations and we'll, we'll find out the answers when we're not there but the more you're there the better your outcomes um so yeah lots of industry represented uh i don't know yet uh, what that looks like in birmingham i think we're still in conversations with identifying the right employer partners to be an employer partner for us i think it's a clear, good uh, point. Is Um, Not to disparage um, maybe retail jobs or hourly jobs. um, uh, Some of the uh, jobs that we offer are hourly, certainly. But um, we require that to be a partner-up employer, you have to demonstrate to us a couple of things. One, you have to offer full-time benefits. Um, Two, one of your benefits has to be tuition reimbursement or something like it for continuing education and development, because this is not about dead-ending students. Uh, Three, your HR organization has to demonstrate the rigor and flexibility required to work through this. It is challenging um, to one, commit the resources to be in the classroom, but two, when they start applying, making sure you're the care, the connection, the follow through, the flexibility with, oh my gosh, they only wanna text me or all of the stereotypes come out. If you can't quite kind of bridge some of those biases and gaps, you won't be as be successful. We learned a lot about our processes um, to make sure they're as inclusive as possible. And so we meet with employers weekly to say, hey, what are you doing? Um, you know, how do you, how do you get ready? Like it's some simple stuff like, don't say, oh, yeah, just go on our website and Google or uh, search Teller and apply for what comes up. You know, you know, that would be very hard. And so uh, we say, make one evergreen. We have a job profile that we use called an early career transition associate. And we use that. We've shared that with other employers and said, use that. We don't care. Use that. Uh, and then use it to field the applicants into one place and then you know, launch them into their ad- identified um, career. So there's lots of HR tips and tricks. And so we need that agility from employers and the last thing is probably the hardest actually is anticipating and holding jobs um you have to demonstrate to me that we're not going to get to april and you're going to say man we don't have anything so we can't commit to nine months of conversation about your opportunities and there are none and so similar to an intern program or a development program or something you're going to have lots of internal conversations about Holding seats, protecting seats, anticipating seats, whatever it is, so that there is space for these individuals when the hiring time comes.
1: I bet that can get a little dicey sometimes. <laughs>
2: it's not it's not the easiest. We have built a lot of practice around our college hire, because this is how we do college hiring. And so yeah. generally kind of we're anticipating kind of that hiring way out. And so we've and uh, many lines of business, added this as part of the conversation. So, okay, you told me you want X interns and how many partner-up associates should we be putting there as well? Lori and Josh, there's one more comment or question from Kelly, since you're on this slide. Um, right here in session four, he was curious to know, um, you know, the power skills. Could
0: you describe that versus the strengths discussion in session two?
2: Yeah. Um, power skills, uh, we didn't, Coin this I think um, it's uh, heard in other spaces is synonymous for the most part to soft skills Um, there's nothing soft about the skills that we're talking about here and when we're talking to this cohort um, we reframe it as power skills and so we're thinking about things like teamwork um, communication skills professionalism uh, some of these, uh, I think there's four or five that we go through in the program. And so that's what we're calling power skills. Uh, and they're called power skills because if you can demonstrate them, then you got the power in the interview and in your kind of future career trajectory. Your organizations that we're putting in front of you, they're going to teach you banking, they're going to teach you healthcare. But if you don't show up to work, you don't show the, the capacity to kind of grit and learn and be a learner and navigate and some of the professional things, then that all falls apart. And so let's focus on this core stuff first. And then most of the organizations with us are going to build kind of those hard skills on top of that. So we call them power skills. Strengths finder, specific Gallup tool, right? And that gives you then your output of five, or you can see all 34, but five uh, of your core strengths. And so for me, for a student to use language like I'm a maximizer, which is one of the you know, the strengths, um, and explain what that means in real context is very powerful in interview. Generally, when we get our business leaders together for this super day from our organization and others, the first reaction is like, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by these students and the skill and what they're bringing forward and how they're talking about themselves. We've never had, in all these years now of doing this, a debrief hiring conversation with hiring managers where they go like, you know, I don't know generally um, we see the students may have applied to multiple roles in one organization so there's a very sometimes contentious conversation like no no no, she said she liked this job well no no and no. the minor she said she liked this job well i want her right it was one of those it's one of those like competing now for talent which is really interesting to observe because we've come overcome a lot of biases about what they think it means to hire directly out of high school
1: Josh, you know, I can't help but think about some of the research that we've done on employee resource groups, ERGs and BRGs, and um, understanding that, you know, raising your hand to function as a volunteer leader in these groups, a lot of times these are people who are super talented, but for whatever reason, they may have been overlooked in the traditional high potential identification process, but just that experience of being seen. Being recognized, which is huge for engagement, for advancement opportunities, retention. But I'm also thinking about everything we've learned since the pandemic started about mental health and wellness and well being. I, I don't know what sort of metrics you have with PartnerUp, but I can only imagine that the employees that are coming into PNC through PartnerUp have got to probably have better numbers in terms of engagement. And well-being and retention?
2: Retention, absolutely. So we always are doing a look back, kind of looking at the retention of the cohort relative to peers in similar roles. Um, And uh, retention is much greater in all roles, Um, with the exception of the first year. The first year, I mean, every year is tough. (laughs) The first year we had a lot to learn. We didn't hire that many. Now we're at the point I can... I think this year we had 40, 45, something like that um, between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Um, in the first year, I think it might have been 10, uh, maybe a few less than 10. And we only have two of those 10 left. Now we're talking, you know, we're seven, no, five years out uh, from that. So, you know, I'm not sure what uh, we expected necessarily. But for the two that are s- still here, they've gone on to have three and four promotions. Um, and doing all kinds of things. Actually, one uh, is in our campus recruiting organization because he wanted to participate in kind of what he saw as what benefited him. Um, another has moved into our retail organization, et cetera. But back to your question, retention is better. Um, but where we missed it between year one and two, where we had to grow, was that sixty-day program. And I think that got amplified. The need for it got amplified through COVID. So in uh, it's that high school hallways to um corporate hallways thing i'll give you let me give you an anecdote um one day one of the uh uh early they, they very proudly referred to themselves as the ectas when they're here for their first 60 days the early career transition associates we actually had one of them stand up on uh, hr town hall and say to the ceo ceo i'm an ecta <laughs> and he said, great what is that And she, uh, and she said the high school program and he adores the high school program. Um, he meets with them for lunch on occasion and we have all kinds of interactions between uh, the cohort and him. And so, um, I recall one of these, uh, analysts or associates walking through the hallway and was wearing a suit and someone on this floor, on the HR floor. And someone said, oh my gosh, you look so great today. Look at that suit. Right. Um, and he was, you know, thrilled by that. The next day he wasn't wearing a suit. Um. And the same person walked by and didn't say anything. I, I see him later and he's looking a little dejected. And I, I said, you know, he comes to the office, I said, what's going on? And he said, man, that, uh, I don't know her name, but uh, I think she's mad at me, um, I, I did something wrong. And I said, what do you mean? She said, yesterday, she, she was toppling my suit and today she didn't even say good morning and I don't know what I did. And I said to the, to the gentleman, I said, she stopped you in the hallway because she liked your suit <laughs> and she thought she looked awesome because she didn't say anything. doesn't mean she doesn't think you're awesome or she doesn't like what you're wearing um, today. It didn't change that much. And he paused and he went, well, that's not what it's like in high school because someone who ta- doesn't talk to you from day one to day two, that's a dick. you like, they're probably walking past you and talking about you. I was like, that's not what this is. And so there's lots of those conversations that happen. We have a lot of students that uh, are now now professionals that join us in that first 60 days are working through stuff that they felt like they couldn't safely work through in school. Um, and so we have uh, the woman who runs the program is uh, a licensed counselor. She uses that toolkit a lot uh, to meet with them, understand what's going on, manage the dynamics between... 25 just recently graduated high schoolers from all different kinds of districts all around the city now in 60 days sitting in a very large conference room together trying to figure it out Um, so (laughs) there's there's a lot to do but when you invest in that and it's hard there's a lot of tears uh more more the tears of the people helping helping this program in the program because uh it's uh sometimes it's it's long days and not because it's bad because emotionally to take it in and help uh, these students navigate can take a toll.
1: I bet, but at the same time, it must be unbelievably rewarding, Josh, you know? Yeah, very much so, very Um, much so. Okay, so how are we doing on time? I wanna make sure that we have a few minutes um, for Josh to share a little bit with us about the accessibility initiatives at PNC. And I know you hired, you have a C-level Accessibility Officer at PNC, right?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, I, w- I didn't know that it dawned on me, Lori, until I started and, you know, maybe what, 45 minutes ago, mm-hmm. when we were talking about the design team. We use the same resources. Um, what we were finding in HR is that there was a lot of individuals in HR raising their hand, kind of individually and saying, I think we can do better. Relative to um, inclusion for individuals with disabilities, here I am in employee relations or recruiting or wherever the COE was, and someone they're saying something. And so one of our leaders brought kind of a committee together, and said, "What are we? How can we do some of this low-hanging fruit stuff together?" Uh, we did that. Um, I ended up kind of leading the, the like a committee uh, so to speak. But one of the recommendations is this isn't just a bunch of volunteer; we all have to do it. We actually need some centralization of this, and so through that effort, the recommendation was to hire an accessibility officer. Uh, We engaged the design thinking team again, that internal innovation team, lots of post notes, lots of journey writing, all kinds of things. We created magazine covers of what we would look like in five years from now and said, who is PNC in the lane of accessibility? Um, Because there's a lot of things to choose from. Do you want to be known for inclusion of a particular disabilities because you get really good at it or more broadly? what is this? And so we defined it and again one of the outcomes was needing to create a team around it um and so that organization ended up being part of my organization we hired an accessibility officer to lead um the charge since then we have a uh, a second person in that seat uh who's now um uh, kind of was a peer for uh, for me because because the team is growing it's inclusive of um, a couple of folks on the team who are kind of accessibility analysts and inclusive of in-house sign language interpreting resources and we're moving kind of an enterprise wide strategy from employee to customer about accessibility. As we have uh, learned um, very quickly, uh, it's hard work. Uh, I think we didn't doubt that it was hard work. But as you kind of get into it, there's a lot to do. Um, And excitedly, you know, we are certainly participative in things like the DEI index and all the things and scoring the high marks, but it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of um, opportunity to continue to strengthen uh, what we do in accessibility. So equally as exciting, similar routes, kind of we see a problem, we design around a problem, we figure out what the PNC vision for that is going to be, and then implement it. And now we're kind of on a similar maybe five or so years since we started that.
1: Yeah and there's just such a tremendous amount of learning to do when you're undertaking that work. A lot of cultural nuances and I, Josh, I just want to compliment you because I know that your second language is American Sign Language and it's like so great to have a talent leader who's walking the talk about accessibility and I just think that's really admirable. So
2: thank you very much. Our first accessibility officer um, uh, was deaf and hard of hearing and uh, it felt critical to me to close communication gaps and so i went and learned of course you lose it or you don't use it every day but as much as i can <laughs> we use it and uh we've created using that example um connecting the dots right because it was kind of like what is this thing that Josh has got going at got campus recruiting? He's got accessibility. He's got this high school stuff. It's this weird mix. My role has since changed uh, into the one that it is now. But at the time we said, let's work at that intersection. And so we created really powerful partnerships with Gallaudet University, the National Technical Institute of the Deaf, as target schools for early career hiring. Uh, and we do a lot of hiring uh, out of those uh, schools. And in fact, next week, they have us on their corporate advisory board now. I just got an email. It sort of popped up on the corner while we were talking that the meeting is next week. Um, And so lending our voice and influence to how we can get focused on hiring individuals
1: with disabilities. Wow. So so you are not a busy guy at all.
2: (laughs) Or to tears.
1: (laughs)
0: you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly Podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. Just go to i4CP.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Also wanna remind everyone uh, of our Next Practices Now conference. Again, this is now open for official registration next March 25th through the 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, You can register now if you're already making travel plans for the new year. Thank you and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.